Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to a very special episode of Colton Classic Podcast, the podcast where we normally bring you two movies, uh, one that is cult, one that is mainstream, but both that are thematically linked. I said that in the most complicated way possible, which uh, is appropriate because my brain has a bunch of crossed wires today. That's okay, because I am with Adam Thorne of Riot at the Movies. How are you doing today, Adam? I'm doing great. My brain always has crossed wires, so I totally understand. And we're going to talk about things that are cults to be classics. So it works out. Exactly. Yeah, totally. And that is, and that is sort of, something that I love about uh, we've talked before we started recording a little bit about the pandemic and how it sort of drove a lot of us online to sort of uh, live our cult film fantasies because we couldn't go out um, and couldn't have that face-to-face contact with a lot of people, which some of us are still trying to get um, after post pandemic time, but it really started to bring for me at least, and this podcast a lot more, of the contemporary cult attitude films that aren't old enough or maybe even well-known enough yet to be cult, which sounds weird because we always think cult films is nearly unknown, but there are new movies and recent films that are truly cult films. And um, and these ultra low budget, no budget uh, films that, that you sort of, you always have your nose like right to the spigot of uh these films how do you how do you get the new movies that you talk about how do i find them yeah i I think just straight out addiction you just live in a different (laughs) world and you just you're you're you know you're looking for them automatically it's like it's like going on to instagram when you scroll enough and you click enough of the same things it just starts to be the only thing you see and i think my eyes do that anyway um, there are so many of these guys and girls who are out there for so long doing these films and nobody knows it, but they've done it for their friends or they've done it for a small audience of their local town or whatever. Um, and it, that's, that shows and, and that needs to be supported that these people have this passion for so long. If no one's seeing it to be, even if it's terrible, that's a crime. They need to know the story behind these things. They need to know that these things exist. I, I published a, ter- I self-published a terrible book a long time ago. I like to use the word terrible. Um, and when I, and my father-in-law owns a bookstore and he carried my book. And one day he made a comment to me saying, 
all the titles that you made up for that book are really funny. And um, I'm like, yeah, they are. I love them. And he's like, where do you come up with those ideas? And then it dawned on me, it's just a book of reviews. That's all it was, of real films. And I'm like, oh, did you think I made all those up? Did you think those films aren't real? And he, he's like, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no way that that like half of those titles that blood fart lake is real there's no way that <laughs> like uh, it goes on and on and on that our uh, raccoon is real and i'm like yeah no those are those are all real not a single one of those movies is made up they his look of just i don't know what to say next after that which all i could say was well i'm glad you read the book but, <laughs> but yeah that's a that's a different world and it's true. And you, of course, mentioned uh, Blood Fart Lake, which is Chris Seaver, friend, you know, fiend of the pod and and often guests on here. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people, Chris Seaver has sort of elevated to the next level of that no budget filmmaking with his Warlock video and low budget pictures because early on he got things on streaming, you know, um, with Netflix and things like that, I think for certain regions. Um, and so people sort of, even beyond the few video stores that carried rentals like that, they started to see these things and think, oh, like there's this whole other level of films that um, they do not reach the mainstream. Like for my work um, reviewing, being quote unquote, one of the bad movie reviewers for horrornews.net for a long time, uh, the movies that I got were not generally even that level. They were often the sort of, occasional like highbrow indie film that had a lot of money but didn't have big names behind it or they were the dollar bin five dollar bin you know 488 special um uh, you know uh crockzilla verse etc etc you know like those type things that that maybe had a walmart shelf release but was they're really just shelf warmers right and those movies even have they have an expensive budget it's a lot of money to rent the equipment etc and yet we get the really shot on video every you know from the 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 late late 80s all the way up to to now these home brewed films um like your own films i mean i i think i first really you know we found each other on instagram but i found uh adam thorne's films with assault on the snake men which is uh which i absolutely love that movie um and i have my own copy and back because it wasn't on dvd at the time i just had the uh the the digital release and i was like i want the hard copy uh now it has been released i don't think it's still available through sov horror correct no it was just a short time we did there's a whole story with that but we did that with uh sov to be like a charity gig so right. it was just to raise some money for uh, other people's projects so they did it just for a short time um so at this moment that film is in limbo now but we'll see what happens you can still get it online though i think correct yeah we um, yeah i've got it on our digital server it's if you search through the archives of riot at the movies.com you'll find it um but also everyone who's on like our right of the movies patreon gets all all our past movies for free so those have those kind of sit there now so the people who want to make comments on them they already have it right right well maybe it should be re-released uh, direct to order with a certain cover that somebody made up uh purely for fun uh that would be me and if anybody wants that i'd be happy to send them over the dvd cover art that i made for it because i loved it so much and it really the cover really is that good it's at a, a moment when i was like 
eh, what am I else am I gonna do with that? The only reason that movie got finished at all was because of the pandemic. We started it just before that. We bailed on it, and like a year later, there was like lockdown had just ended over here for a little bit. Of course, it came back, but that yep. one moment, none of us, none of us were working. Like the three or four of us who actually were turning characters in that, so we're like, okay, we can't get anyone else back. We're not doing anything else. I we don't believe we have time to start another film. We we're gonna scrap it. They're like, let's just wear wigs, pretend we're with all the other characters, and just finish the film for the hell of it. Just so we said it was done. Um, because I had brought in my my friend Austin, who was new to that group. And I was like, I need a film finished with Austin. This kid who is two feet taller than me, who's the youngest of all the guys in our films, um, were like, I I need someone to see you do something. And he'd done little tiny 30 second shorts on like YouTube or TikTok before. And I was like, why are we not doing this? And um, it was just a need to have it finished. And that's the only reason it was done. So then when that was done immediately, I moved on to something else, but uh, it'll, it'll come back at some point. I'll, I'll make, everyone has asked what I should do is have a, just a Blu-ray that's all my films on there. And I'm totally willing to do that. I just need to wait for the right time. It's totally understandable. What I love too, though, is, and, and I legitimately like that movie. Like I have watched, I have, anyone who's listened to the podcast, which I hope everyone has for a long time, knows that I will watch anything. I really will finish it because if nothing else, I have to know without a doubt why I hate something. And I don't hate Assault on the Snake Man. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was, it has everything I look for in the low budget passion project, which is, which as you noted, oftentimes uh, from the filmmaker's perspective is dead and wants to be pushed under the rug before it's complete because it is so much work putting together a feature length project. Uh, and I think it's about an hour on the dot, right? Somewhere yeah. around the 56 or something. And it's, it's just a fun movie. Everyone seems to be having a good time. And that's something that you don't always get uh, in in that next tier up the thirty thousand to three hundred thousand dollar features where I'm like wow you know th this Eric Roberts did not want to be there that afternoon you know <laughs> and you can really feel it um, and so it's it's nice to see a movie that everyone's having fun and enjoying themselves in you have a new movie that is uh, for sale right now I believe uh, through you directly right yeah, this one we just have um, for both digital and physical um, and was like every single thing I've ever made was a joke that someone made to me and dared me to do it. So I did it. Um, the joke was everyone has an Amityville movie. So mm -hmm. why don't you? So we without naming names to not bash any other fellow filmmakers there were two films that my friend robert and i had watched together and we hated them we hated them so bad out of the many 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 amityville films out there even with our ability to give give free passes to so many filmmakers we're like oh oh this is this was cheap. I I, feel I can bet like, I, I, I can bet I can name which ones, but we'll be nice. But yeah, I, I'm we'll sure nice. they're in the past couple and, of years. Their recent entries. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's been a, a bazillion, and they're not Mark Polonia. That's all I'll say. Mm -hmm. They're not Polonia. Right. Um, many people might think that, but I can give Mark a pass for forever for everything he's done. He's he's one of the. All I needed was Feeders One, and everything else that he had, will ever do is just gravy. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every, yeah. The back when the teenage mustaches were in there, the Polonias were inspiration to anything I've ever done. But uh, so no matter, they could, they can and have done some of the worst things in the world. And I will forever forgive that. But uh, this other filmmaker jumped on the, the bandwagon more than once. And um, <laughs> we were so grumpy about it after watching it together. My friend Robert said, this is more like an Amityville outhouse. And immediately I turned to him and said, I'm making that. Get back to me in six months. I'll, I'll have it ready for you. And, uh, and it happened. Um, which now we have the world to witness perhaps my lowest level of lowbrow comedy in um, Amityville outhouse. <laughs> Well, I'm just sad that it didn't, uh, it wasn't out in time for us to include in the zombie ass Toilet of the Dead pairing <laughs> that we did recently. Um, but I'm sure we'll have to do another, uh, another lowbrow uh, plumbing humor situation <laughs> or lack of plumbing humor situation. I'm really excited for it. I am an Amityville buff and I have watched probably the vast majority, if not uh, all of the Amityville spinoffs and ripoffs, et cetera. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to every new horrendous entry that anyone wants to throw in the ring. Like I just saw today, the release cover for Amityville Karen. Um, we have Amityville Shark, obviously it's almost, almost here. Well, and Amityville in Space comes out next Amityville month. in Space. Very excited for that one. I have to say, all of these have fantastic covers. And that is one of the things that I absolutely love about these no-budget pictures is because of the red, just like the ready availability of film equipment of various qualities that has allowed us to make these movies uh, with almost no budgets or no budgets, we have a distribution processes now which allow for like, you know, you to, to pay the smallest fee to a great artist and get a really fantastic cover to show you what the movie could have been. You know, it's almost never what the movie is so much as the aspirational goal of the picture. Um, I love- That's why I didn't let SOV Horror use your cover because someone would have really <laughs> thought that. They would, I would raise my expectations too much. Um, I will throw a company under the bus for that and I'm sure they don't care. Um, Wild Eye releasing uh, yeah, an, an yeah. incredible ending, ending plethora of, of films uh, from people all around the world. And whoever has been their artist is way too good to be their artist. Yeah, he, I agree. he or she uh, or they, there might be a couple of them, are, are so good. Um, I consider that the digital age's answer to 42nd Street Grindhouse film trailers. Like yeah. you see those trailer mixes from the seventies and those trailers make, uh, I dismember mama and I spit on your grave and um, I drink your blood, which I actually love that movie. Don't but, touch my sister, you know, all those. And that, that era, you know, um, just they go on and on out of that whole genre of just click titles. The titles have an angle to them. The trailer has a bit of an angle to it and some cool music in there and they spent more time usually they had like joe dante edit that when he was mm -hmm. just an editor for corman which makes total sense yeah yeah and those were better than the whole film so you thought this is incredible you went in there at that time i think it was the drive-in era it was the time that you were young and could go to a theater because you could be in a place that you could make out in the dark when you weren't at your parents place anymore so you were a little bit more forgiving of how bad those were but now in the quick digital age the trailer's not important because you sort of know we know that joke now 
but now right. it's the cover it's so that when you're scrolling through on a streaming system or you're going through in an order page or somewhere you see that poster and you're like this is even if this is bad this has to be amazingly bad then you watch the film and nothing happens yeah <laughs> you feel pretty cheated but it's still if you're into this type of film there's people who complain about being cheated but people like me who are in the scene of it i just got to give it to them i got to be yeah. like oh you got me again <laughs> yep and it's true it's sort of that it's the fun it's like it's like a candy grab bag right or like the popcorn mix where you're like expecting caramel and you get like the really orange cheesy one you know and you're just like i don't know i don't know how popular those are in canada but you know the, the popcorn mixes and you're just like mm, that wasn't what i expected but i knew it was a risk you know i knew that was a possibility um and my favorite is sub rosa studios srs uh who of course their covers i absolutely love their covers and you know you know when you're getting an srs movie that it could be a great like schlocky shot on video 90s like uh hidden gem or it could be uh mark polonia's hell on a shelf which we reviewed this year which is the first where i was like ah, i'm not even sure i don't know that i really need this on my shelf but i'm gonna keep it because the cover is pretty rad you know yeah. like that even though i adore the polonias it's there's there's a time and a place but yeah so it's it's i agree it's sort of it it tricks people in that will probably be mad but also for those of us that understand you know we know the game now too it's sort of like oh this cover is too good to be real this is going to be my kind of movie you know it's it's yeah. going to be i'm i know i'm not going to see what's on the cover but i i like the promise that they're running here i like the risk to reward ratio um the other thing that I really love about these low budget pictures that I, you know, going through and I urge everyone go to write at the movies.com, look through your reviews is you'll come up with reviews for things that have never been released officially other they're just on YouTube student projects, you know, weird things like that, which is something that I think is I consider those the golden grail right the old like wow I bought a stack of blank VHS tapes and somebody's you know like eighth grade film attempt was was on there i feel like i have i've been given a gift from you know the great allah like it's just really um awesome when you watch things like that what triggers in your brain that that makes you enjoy it because i like my wife for example sometimes will just be like i don't i don't <laughs> i don't i don't want to watch this you know i just don't want to watch this uh, and yet I am enamored. Um, I think I compare a lot to the the found footage festival guys where, mm -hmm. you know, they will go through tapes and they, you know, they use stuff of anything. But one of their favorite things is when they find a like 80s home video of that's just stayed recording and it's just like captured them <laughs> because yeah. like guys like like Seaver that we mentioned um I, I, I my true guide of this is like todd sheets um mm -hmm. they're in, in these these student films that i find and where they're someone's first time they may never do another thing again um which is why i push it because i want to poke them and find them find out who they are they're this mystery that maybe this thing's been floating around youtube for a really long time and no one's seen it and i kind of want to know why they didn't continue um 
think it, I can't think of the name of the guy who made it, but, but I found a film online called um, Disaster Squad. I think that's what it's called. It's I, just, I read your review. Yeah, it's just three guys who are running around from boxes that are attacking them, and then goblins show up. Um, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. It's kind of a superhero film, kind of a fantasy film. Um, and it, I had sat there with it on save on YouTube for a long time of this curiosity of these high school kids doing something. I didn't watch it. Then all of a sudden I saw they posted again. And I realized the years between the first post and this was 12 years. And they made like a funny sequel as adults and was actually... I mean, not good, but I mean, it was, it was much more slick on there. So before watching that and seeing just a bit of it, I was like, okay, I have to finally watch the first one that they did in high school. And I'll be honest, I'm, I'm more enamored with the high school one than the slick later one, but it was, it's that mystery. Then I get addicted to it because I'm like, now I need to know where did these kids go? Why did they not meet again? Did they stay friends for that 12 years and then just meet each other and say, well, we got nothing else to do. Let's do this. You know, they didn't do it for a job. You know, they did it because they really, really wanted to do it as much as you, you also know that they had to put a lot of effort into it if they were doing it completely for free. If even if mm -hmm. it, you say, oh, that's garbage because it's so cheap. But imagine wanting to film and fill an hour and even an hour and 15 minutes and you are a bunch of high school kids with just one camera no sound equipment no nothing no props or anything the very concept that you get it done is at all is a lot of work so that obviously means it meant something to them at the time and now it's lost in the abyss no one is ever going to see it again no one's ever going to look at it because i don't know either they were embarrassed or just nobody liked it whatever the or story they had lives that they yeah. were not you know one yeah. they had to eventually go and make money which i mean you know we're all yeah. victim to have yeah, to do that um so there's all sorts of stories and that's what i want to find out so that's why i kind of send a few messages here and then that's how my film festival got into play because it became an addiction to sending messages to these guys to being mm -hmm. why do you do this i love it but I don't know what anyone else does. <laughs> can you contact, you get me in contact with the other people who do, and then you find they're out there and you find all they do is they need a chance to be seen. And sure, they may not all of a sudden get them the next big gig, but they will discover that after just being shown by somebody else, they'll gain another dozen friends. And one of them will show it to somebody and they'll gain another dozen fans. Um, and it just takes that little kick to find um, a new audience and uh, I know that has always been a big payoff for me and so far the ones that I've done for other people have been a big payoff for them including several of them to start up again which may or may not have been a bad thing for me to do that to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I well I think we reviewed way back uh, in one of our earlier episodes um, the the puppet 50s sci-fi parody, it came from Uranus or Uranus, if you're crass, which I am. Uh, it was from 2012. I'd found my copy at a Goodwill in New Hampshire, um, but it was from Canadian filmmakers. And recently 
they got in touch with us, um, Paul Barescu directed it, uh, with some great stories and hopefully we'll be able to get them all on the pod to talk about it. It's a really fun project, but that was what this was, right? Like I couldn't find anything about them. I just had this one DVD that somehow drifted down there. And, uh, and, and when you actually do connect with the people, it's this, you have this kinship with people that you've never even met before because you had the shared experience and you both have an interest in it, even though you're coming from different angles, maker and consumer. And um, it builds this weird sort of community that I, I don't know about anybody else, but especially in this pandemic and post-pandemic ish era that we are now like that's kind of been what's holding it together you know uh because otherwise i don't know where we would find like minds you know i can't imagine what this would have been like um going through COVID 19 without the internet for one you know being uh, young enough to remember when it wasn't really a thing uh and now like with the terrible two-day fest you know like there was no streaming you know um thing that was going to play snapper you know what i mean like the the you know the 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 pirate video stations and 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 uh really bizarre uh 70s style cable channels were no longer you know it was the late 80s early 90s we didn't have that so i didn't have a place to find this kind of niche personal if if terrible film community uh, and products, whereas now we do. And I think because it's more accessible, we are getting more people. Like I've seen several people who are successful TikTokers, former Vine people who are starting to make their own features. And, you know, a lot of them actually have a little money behind it, but some of them don't. And when you get these, when you see people, even if it's terrible, which I think is kind of what we're getting at, there's something super special to projects that are made by people who have a vision and are passionate to get it out. You know, uh, a lot of times we're like, well, it petered out at the end. Well, cause it's hard, <laughs> you know, it's really hard. So sometimes things get out there that are just the best you could do with the spoons you had to use, if you know, that analogy, you know? And so I, I love these. Um, I wish I don't know if you remember if you got these in Canada, Pendulum Pictures. It's now a past oh, imprint. Yeah, I have but all those collections. Yeah, yeah. you know you, they released I think three fifty you know movie sets among some other smaller sets that were essentially all relatively unknown, not in release, shot on video films from the eighties to nineties. Todd Sheets had a lot in there, I think. Um, yeah, and you know those are the kind of things that in the know and now of course out of print so you're going to be paying 50 plus dollars for them but i will tell you i think they are worth it but those are the kind of things that i see and they really were what inspired me to return to my love of cult film because i was like these are movies that historians of film will talk about later because they're not most of them are not going to even survive the next decade right? Like they really are going to be gone. Hopefully somebody will bring them back or do something. But like you said, you self-published a book of reviews and stuff, which I want a copy of if that's still in print or if you can print that up. So let's make that happen. But these are movies that people made without the help of big studios, without the help in a lot of cases, some did, but in a lot of cases without the help of a, of a bank funding or some sort of horrible loan, you know, um, some of them, they weren't even Kevin Smith maxing out their credit cards. You know what I mean? It was just, Hey, what do we have? You know, cause we have a camera. 
Um, can that kind of looks like a fetus? Can we throw it against the wall? You know, um, Las Vegas bloodbath for anyone. I don't recommend it, but it's got a certain audience. <laughs> I do. Um, I recommend it, but, <laughs> but it is. But you know, <laughs> yeah. So these these are the kind of things that I think when we hear the word cult now, and there's not it's not wrong, but you you think of the big things, the things that have really become uh, cornerstones in cinema history, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, Night of the Comet, even, you know, these things, they're actually fairly well known. And, but if you separate cult classic to just cult and classic, there are cult movies that are truly obscure. I mean, really, really, just people don't know. And I love that Adam, that you and Riot at the Movies kind of bring these out and look to bring these out. Because even as you said, when they're terrible or you hate them, um, they just, I feel like they deserve to be seen and acknowledged because I want everything I make to be seen and acknowledged. I hope everyone listening right now, all the fiends of the Cult of Classic podcast go and tell their friends. I know they won't because they're probably like me and don't have a lot of friends. Uh, and they're, you know, they're usually like, please stop talking about some obscure movie that I don't want to watch with you. Um, but, you know, there are those of us that love it. And I really appreciate sharing and, and bringing visibility to these, as you said, these sort of hidden, potentially lost for all time, one time filmmaker projects. Because, well, thinking again, using Todd Sheets, Todd, I think the reason he stayed as long as he did in that was he started doing those films at that weird, just the right time of that shot on video was getting VHS releases. So someone mm -hmm. was gonna do something about it. But those who have been inspired by him, they don't even have that. I, yeah. You mentioned Night of the Comet being put as in, in the, the quote unquote word of cult films. And whenever I go on a streaming site, it's on there. And yeah. I don't wanna disclude anything from it, but that definitely movie is too good for that type of world. Sure. I feel like, I, I am in a world where I assume people think like I do. So when I'm <laughs> working at the video store at Isaur Cinema, um, people get that. When I go to my office job and they go, well, you guys have all seen Night of the Comet. And they're like, what? I don't know what that is. I'm like, oh, oh, I guess. I have to realize not everyone thinks like I do. But the people who are doing these independent stuff now, either if they're student projects, if they're shot on video guys who crank them out like a... Uh, Apollonia does or so forth they're a mix between Ed Wood who couldn't do them every week because he had to do them on film he had to do them to be processed he had to there was no other choice mm -hmm. and then there's a, a generation of people who are inspired by being and this is a really a very Canadian thing I don't think I mean the movies are not the movies are full moon everyone saw, saw that but what <laughs> clicks to me as a Canadian is when I was 12 years old there is a chain of video stores up here called Jumbo Video. And in most of them, in the horror section, they built a castle around them. So it was this dark, gloomy castle with a bat hanging out of it that was in the horror section. So 12-year-old me would go in there. And at that year, that was the boom of Full Moon. So a whole row of it was all the same design VHS tapes. Mm -hmm. And they were raking them out every week and they mm -hmm. were scary, but they were still so campy, silly that like a kid yeah. could watch them. I mean, mm -hmm. at one point it would be 
all of this would happen and then a totally naked woman would have her head cut off and my parents would be like oh no we made a mistake but then they'd see <laughs> the next cover and like oh it's killer teddy bears it's puppets it's you know it's a robot okay how bad could it be um and they were, were charles band's plan at that time was to be like a comic book company he's like mm-hmm. these are going to cross over i'm going to release them every so often i'm going to put a thing at the end of every tape that's like stanley's bullet pen where i just come in and say cool things to the fans and read letters um so it was collectible not not only collectible but it was there was always something new coming out of it Mm -hmm. they were and then that begat everybody at home in the digital age where they're like i can do both i can be ed wood i can be i can be charles band at the same time um which which is where i like use the word a lot addiction comes in they're like okay i can now just do them short but make a lot of them so people have something to watch next month they have something to watch the month after that um and what ed wood teaches you what todd sheets teaches you what chris siever teaches you is your friends if you find those weirdos who are the same as you one you'll have people to to have as your backup you'll have Mm -hmm. people to become if you know you're not going to be able to pay them much more than 20 bucks and uh a a pizza you uh you're going to have these guys coming back um and they're going to get better even if your films don't they are going to get better yeah they're going to get what they're doing they're going to bring their own information to it they're going to bring their own humor to it it's that ted um, v mickles energy you know like yeah you, oh you yeah pull from the same circle and you build this little community even even some of whom are, are sort of uh uh opposed to one another it's now the circle of say ted v mickles and you bring them in and then your fans you know build up it's like oh i remember so-and-so oh that's so-and-so oh you know john carradine again like you know you just get it over and over again until um it's created its own mythos and that's who you know like you said a comic book company right like it's that idea it's it's bringing the serial the the community nature and maybe that's really what it is about these no budget films that i love is it takes a community to make these things um even if it's you know one person is a vision yes there are some films that are just one person in a camera of course um and i i hand it to them because that's extra tough but it's it's the granular level of what it takes to make a movie this person wanted to do it these people have like enough mind that they are willing to join in and they all come together to make this final project and maybe it's because of the strife in the world right now but i find it especially engaging to watch these movies even the ones that are horrendous and unwatchable and technically just derelict of talent or the ones that are um mean-spirited and well-made and i don't know what sort of insane if you can hear that I have some insane gardening work going on. Uh, we live on the devil's playground, which is what I call a golf course. And it is, uh, it is loud in here. But I just, I guess you, you said it, you know, it's like you get people coming in, you keep doing it. You're able to keep doing it because viewers start to grow little by little. Uh, and then you have this like-minded community of people. You know, it's why Todd Sheets Goblin is one of my favorites. It's why that film has yeah. any sort of, you know, following at all is just because it didn't start all at once. You know, <laughs> it's been a slow grind. Oh um, man, you can't you can't hear a thing in Goblin, and I think that's what got me really addicted because I'm like, there's something great happening here, but I'm also missing a whole quality of this film. <laughs> so now I need to know. I need to like send an email to Todd Sheets someday and find out. What was going on in that film um I, I would say 
my joke of Ted V. Mickles is, you know, he sure he invented the bring a group together. His only problem is he married half of them. So you don't always want to do that. But um, <laughs> the, uh, the thing about uh, Todd is what set this in my mind. And then when I saw Seaver for the first time, it's the same thing. Um, and I can imagine a kid in the 60s seeing a Ed Wood film and thinking the same thing. And because the, the Ed Wood doc documentary, the, the film, um, the you know, Tim Burton film really makes you think of this too, where you know the people behind this are a whole group of weirdos. And so the people who like to make these films were also a bunch of weirdos. So, yeah. and especially right now in the internet days, and especially with the pandemic, just watching it at home, you're not even watching them in groups anymore so much, which is a shame. A lot of these films need to be watched in a group to really appreciate it. Um, but you're watching them and you're seeing this returning group of people, be them playing different characters or the returning characters or not. And you think, man, I kind of want to hang out with this group of weirdos, but yeah. I can't. So how do I do it? How do I hang out with them without hanging out with them? Because I live on the other country. I live in another part of the world. Or they're I dead. Just do the same. Yeah, or they're dead. I just <laughs> do the same thing. I'll just make a film just like them. Um, mm. <laughs> so much so in my addiction, I think at some point with you talking to Seaver, you thought Seaver and I knew each other. But I, I, did. Just, I just follow his stuff and message him all the time. Um, so much so that one of my friends <laughs> up here and a guy who, again, I use the word friend in an interesting way, because, I mean, we only know each other from meeting up at conventions a lot. And we bumped into each other both wearing Warlock shirts. And so after that, we exchanged emails and we would message each other all the time. And it was like a dare. Which one of us is going to get into a car and just drive down, find him and make a film? And one day <laughs> he messaged me going, guess where I just drove down? I'm like, would you just drive down and find Chris Seaver? And he's like, yep. I'm going to be in one of his films. I've just said I'm going to do it because we kept daring each other and like, well, yeah. you need to do it. Um, because that's the addiction. We were all like, I want to hang out with these guys. Um, they're weirdos like me. And they, I feel like I get it and they get me. So if nothing else, we'll learn to express the same stuff. Right now with the internet is a lot of guys, because we're all doing green screen stuff. I do a, <laughs> do a fair bit of this. Um, since the festivals and all the different artists that I've met, um, we've been doing a lot of films and we're like, I want you as a cameo, but you're in Canada. All right, let me just film something and superimpose me into it. Um, <laughs> yep. And then we do a good chunk of Amityville on green screen. I never did before, and we, but we do it this time solely because I wanted to homage the fact that all these people are doing it. Now a bunch of us have been talking. We've done it way too much. So we're really glad that we can get out and actually film stuff again. <laughs> um, but uh, guys like... Well, I think uh, of Jordan Goff recently with dinosaurs in a mining facility. You know, like that's a perfect example of, you know, any way you... Now we have the opportunity to do things, whether it's with other actors or with CGI, you know, uh, copyright free images on YouTube, <laughs> green screen technology in our homes, like what I'm using right now, if you're watching this on YouTube, once I upload this in a million years, you know, we will, <laughs> you can see how accessible it is to all of us. And it just, it opened this huge floodgate. Like you said, it, is a little tiresome sometimes i know being in the comedian circuit i know so many comedians who have film credits and films I'm like what did you do and they're like oh i like jacqueline basario was on here she's like yeah i i just filmed a fake suicide of myself on my phone and sent it in you know? <laughs> like, yeah i mean i've yeah well, hey, 
However, pre-pandemic, as we mentioned, Eric Roberts has been doing that for films for the last 15 years now. Um, I almost, yeah. almost made one with him. He was at a convention and he said it would cost this much to do. And I was like, I think I have that much in the bank right now. And I didn't have a movie at that point. So yeah. we we're all, being a friend of Hudling, he's like, can we just tell him to go film something in the bathroom and we'll just make something up and we can use it later? And I'm like, I might need that money. I don't know. And it was just really close. And he's like, sure, guys, whatever you want to do. And I'm like, you are so open to this, Mr. Roberts. I'm like, no, it's okay. Just take my $20 and sign this. I'm good. And I'm walking away going, you want to let me just film something with him? And at that moment, yep. I didn't have anything. And for, <laughs> it haunted me for like a year. And then I, I sort of made an idea out of that thought I had. But then was like, oh, I missed the chance. Because I didn't want to... <laughs> To just record his voice i wanted to physically have him there um which i now i know i can do that so maybe maybe eric roberts will appear the voice of an evil puppet in the future but <laughs> that that would be great i mean i remember so i don't know if anybody has seen it's riff tracks has done it which is great uh, a, a talking cat exclamation yeah. point question mark yeah i mean he recorded all of his lines for the cat on a cell phone in the living room um you know probably could have done it a little better but you know hey he's in a good portion of that movie He's a cat that doesn't look at the camera, but he's in that movie, you know? And, and that's just the kind of crazy technology that you just, it's, it's every, every year there's new stuff that people are learning to use for these low budget, no budget pictures. And um, I hope they keep coming out. And I, I think they will. I can't imagine it stopping. I don't think, as you said, one of the great things about these projects is nobody's doing these for the money right? Like, sure, eventually, because it's not, we don't have the video rental store market anymore. Even if you have the streaming thing, I mean, uh, I know many filmmakers who've done, say, Troma uh, now, you know, the streaming service for them, and th the money is not, it's not there. You know what I mean? Like, it's nice to have because it's accessible and it's a good credit so that you can say, hey, like, I did this, here it is, people can go watch it, but you're not making any money on it, right? And so when you make these, it is for the gratification of having a final project with you and all these people to say, I did it. Michael Bay, I made a movie that's at least as good as Bad Boys 2. So here you go, world, like eat it up. <laughs> and I really respect wait, that. Wait, wait. And There's I, a movie better than Bad Boys 2? Where is this? <laughs> uh, deep dive for listeners. You can hear me and Tad Mastroianni, longtime contributor, argue about that movie uh, during one of our um, bad movies we love uh, are you on the upside or the downside i'm that? on the downside of that movie uh tad oh, i don't know if we can be friends film. anymore nate. i know <laughs> you and tad can form form a nate has bad taste podcast um it's it you'd constantly have uh have things to talk about um but you know before we get close to the sign off here i want to uh give a shout out Let, can you name your top three no budget low budget schlockmeister filmmakers off the top of your head how many again just the top three just three and your favorite film of each how about that oh man um all right well then yeah the i mean for the sov guys out there the guys who totally do it themselves who inspired me to do what i do of course mark polonia um mark polonia's um the the favorite for me is feeders too the christmas one because that's the christmas ridiculous. sleigh bells yeah yeah but um but the uh there's one that he did that didn't get released away later it was a, a project as a kid 
And that's, that's, this is the kind of thing where you find this and you think, if I never saw anything else of this, I need to know who these guys are and what they did. It's hallucinations, hallucinations with him and his brother and mm -hmm. um, their early best friend at that time. They're the only actors in the whole film. And it is not only trippy, it's actually creepy. They all of a sudden, these two guys who have done all this schlock later on, you're like, wait, when you were kids, you could act. You should be in yeah. your films more because there's actually something going on here. Um, it's. I think that's actually on a collection in SRS. I think if you if you guys they want did to at least at out. one point for sure. Yeah. yeah. They uh, if nothing else, SRS's Vimeo on demand page has that. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's mentioning Todd Sheets. Um, Todd, <laughs> what? Nightmare Asylum. Nightmare Asylum is uh, one of his which. It gets me every time because one is just weird characters all the way through. It's it's pretty much dream state. Um, but at the end, in the credits, this shows that he was an angsty teenager like me. He tells off people in the credits that didn't that don't like him. <laughs> he leaves like that. angry messages about people who like it says something like if for all those people who ever every time they see me with a VHS camera think I'm making porn, go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and you witness that he's grown up since then he's now an adult but that was when he was a kid and um you're just watching a person evolve and, and so nightmare asylum stays in my head forever and then <laughs> i would say siever but no i'm not going to say siever just because I, I am addicted <laughs> to his films and love him but the other guy who has is the reason that i make bad no budget films is um waskovich uh, Mike Waskovich, of uh, oh. the Suburban Sasquatch. I mean, Fungicide it's... is my favorite. Uh, <laughs> if you've seen Suburban Sasquatch, go check out Fungicide. Uh, if you can't find it easily, because it is a little harder to find, uh, I think on physical at least, you can get the Rift Tracks version, which is also really fun at rifttracks.com, friends of the pod. Well, um, Waskovich has recently sort of opened up his, his, uh, all his films. So that's why he's given a bunch to Rift Tracks most of the streaming sites like Tubi and Midnight Pulp have everything he's made, even Oof. new films from just the last couple of years, which are just as equally great in their own ridiculous way. And his newer films are, are, are he really reaches to try and be disturbing if I remember correctly. Even at the time, um, there's one Tartarus happened around the same time yeah. as Suburban Sasquatch and mm -hmm. Tartarus is an upsetting art film. It yeah. is, and it's weird because it has the same cast. So you're seeing yes. the same people from Suburban Sasquatch doing really upsetting things. And after years <laughs> of seeing Suburban Sasquatch, finally seeing Tartarus and being, what is going on? How did these people think both of this is okay? Which made me even more addicted to wondering, what is this guy? What is going on <laughs> in his head? I... I love that. I absolutely do. I, I, I will try, I will not duplicate any of yours because I would also say Westbridge and I absolutely will say Polonia, Mark Polonia and the Polonia brothers um, when, when they were, you know, when uh, John was alive. And I would say for me, it's, it's feeders one, although house that screamed one and two are both uh, really fun. Also. Um, I I'm also, I will say again, Ted B. Mickles, I'm not going to say Astro Zombies. I'm going to say Astro Zombies M3 clones because uh, good friend and fiend of the pod Peaches Christ has a cameo in that movie. Um, and if you want to know about how to do quick cameos and pulling people using all sorts of different methods for your movies, try M3, which of course came out like uh, only a million years after the original was filmed. And um, I think for my final, 
it's hard not to say Ed Wood, um, just because you know that is the most classic image of of run and gun filmmaking in an era when you couldn't run and gun filmmaking. You know, you didn't have portable cameras really. They're big, they're expensive. Um, he just had to make enough money with these films to churn out to make the next one. Um, and a lot of people don't know too, uh, in his later life, he moved to making pornography films. Um, and uh, one of my favorite, which I think you can get it from Alpha Blue Archive. Uh, I'm, it's it's uh, Necromania, Necromania. Oh. And it's actually, you know, it's an R-rated cut, but then distributors put in X-rated material because they were like, no one's going to buy this. But what I love about those is they still have Edward's insane, and I'm using insane facetiously, but his really bizarre sensibilities in them. Like, if you watch one of those movies expecting to be aroused, well, <laughs> you're going to get a similar feeling to what you expected going into, um, you know, Plan 9 from Outer Space expecting to be scared. Like, it's not going to happen, um, but you will experience things. And uh, it's, it's that one vision that truly came out that, that only only a special person with a special group of weirdos of like-minded weirdos behind him could do. And so those are my three for this one. So that whole genre of film is like finding a group of people who are hardcore vinegar syndrome film collectors. Now meeting yeah. hardcore vinegar syndrome fans from five, six, seven years ago. And those guys don't understand each other. <laughs> they're in fact, they they're, don't. Creeped, they're creeped out by each other. <laughs> It's true. And that's one thing too, is when you, you meet someone like, Oh, I love weird movies. And then they tell you something and they're like, I don't know, like I had somebody the other day and I'm not trying to rag on them, but it didn't make me laugh because they were much younger. Um, and it, they said the uh, 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I, I was like, okay. And they asked me and I'm like, I don't know what to tell. Like, I'm like, well, I mean, did you see toolbox murders? Like if you're Toby Hooper adjacent, even though that wasn't him. And they're like, and I lent it to them and they were, they were not impressed. In fact, they were confused that I was happy with it. Um, <laughs> and it's just, you know, it takes some time, but I guarantee you that same person in five to 10 years, they will revisit that. And they'll be like, wow, this is great. I can't believe I didn't know that because your mind changes to adapt and read between the lines of all the cultness between films and between movies and start to, your interest becomes more uh, niche, right? I assume wine tasting is the same, right? You know, at the beginning, any two buck chuck is gonna be great, but the more they know, the more insufferable they get to everybody else because they're like, no, but you can really taste the chutney that they threw in the batch <laughs> here at the end of the fermentation period. And everyone else is like, hmm, tastes the same as the $10 bottle that I had last week, you know? But you're like, no, really, like pay attention to this. This actress is actually watching her kid off screen because she couldn't find a sitter and it really <laughs> works its way into the plot. Um, yeah, so I- Working in a video store for so long, it's been also my nightmare to myself that I have turned into the cliche of a record store guy. Right. Um, Ice for Cinema, where we do our events for a long, when I worked there as a regular clerk, we were a store above a record store and there were, and we were a fringe film store. So it's gotta be the snobbiest, nerdiest place in the world. But there was a record store below us that was the 
hip place in town so that if it wasn't for them we would add nobody but when they would come up to our store and they would tell us that we were less nerdy and less snobby than the record store it was this relief of like oh <laughs> i'm always like afraid at this point when i tell somebody because I, I was about to cut you off before going what are you talking about the toby hooper produced i know box murder what about the original well, come on cameron mitchell here folks and, <laughs> and i'm like wait you're not an asshole, Adam. Don't say that. <laughs> I was wait. It was a test. It was a test. And I um I recently, in fact, this week, uh, as we record this, the the episode that just launched on uh, Cult and Classic Podcast. Yes, we pre-record uh, more than a day before, of course, because we are professionals. Uh, <laughs> sometimes we did uh, Sidney Poitier's first directed film. We're going highbrow with Buck and the Preacher, and Cameron Mitchell plays, you know, uh, uh, the the former. Um, southern confederate officer who's harassing these these newly freed black families as they go west and all i could see when i looked at his face was every millennial's grandmother like saying really like clearly racist but not explicitly racist things except he had a mustache i think he'd had his first facelift at the time so like you know and that's all i could see but every time i see cameron mitchell i think of that film uh, and then I think of him as Santa Claus in Space Mutiny. Space Mutiny, um, that's, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> that's that's the golden time because, again, for the westerns that he appears in to the action films that he appears in, mm -hmm. most people still don't know those films. Those aren't considered bad films. They are considered cult films because he didn't go out there to make bad films. To him of a preacher was the same as making space mutiny i don't know how he thought those were the same thing but he, i mean was. he treated the i mean he treats the that's true and this has become a tangent on cameron mitchell but he really does treat and it's sort of a nick cage concept right he treats every yeah. single role as though like with the same mentality and diligence that he treats every other role. So it doesn't matter if he's in a Francis Ford Coppola movie or if he's in um, a B flick where he's just going to be edited in between a Leo like- Fong film. Right, right. Where he's just going to be edited into weird spots or um, that one of the many like weird 60s espionage films where he's riding in the back of a truck as an evil mastermind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just any number, it's just, it's like the, um, <laughs> the John Carradine, although, you can argue what the the expert acting that he portrays it tends to be very similar but he has a mo you know he has a presence yeah. um so yeah i just this is this is great it's been great talking to you another cult film lover um i expect a copy of your book uh <laughs> and uh and, my and plan is to let i mean that book is on amazon somewhere i um one of them is uh, bad movies and booze so I give drink cocktails for every three movies um, <laughs> but because uh, most of the reviews were done at 3 a.m while coming home from a gig um, but the my plan is to make a revisioned book so I'm going to let mm. those ones die and make okay. a new one uh, working on it as we speak um, and Amityville Outhouse is available from me directly so go to Instagram right at the movies right at movies.com and uh, I'll lead you in the right direction for it. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, keep an eye out, listeners, for uh, on at 
uh, writeatthemovies.com and at writeatthemovies. And uh, we will always share them at Colton Classic Podcast Instagram and such as well for the terrible two-day fest, uh, which I hope continues for every year. Uh, if you miss it this year, there, there's an online component where you can see awesome movies uh, hosted by Adam Thorne himself. And as always, please send your reviews, your hate mail, your comments, why Bad Boys 2 is the best movie ever, uh, <laughs> or you know, your sensible um, uh, pro-Nate supporting Bad Boys 2 is a terrible film to coltonclassicpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Colton Classic Podcast. Watch as I trickle in videos of all our episodes uh, for the past uh, inception of the pod at youtube.com slash culture classic podcast so many places to visit but most importantly follow like us and subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcast helps other people find us and keep on checking www.cultandclassicpodcast.com as we're gonna have new things there's a shop there you can buy zines that support us directly like my uh comic with uh comedian dakota freeman called coco the clown a lot of fun as well as our old reart design issues for your reading pleasure treat your ear and eyeballs and we thank you so much place that as always is the chud with all about evil Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.